Welcome to Literaturely, a podcast about teaching literature. I'm Margaret Mock. And I'm Paige Wallace. And today we have a few guests with us to talk about Corsi Bell, specifically how do we respond and take that on. So we're going to get our guests to introduce themselves so you guys will hear their voice and know who they are. Maybe we could begin with Janine. Hi, I'm Janine Ortega. I'm from Orlando. I'm a graduate student here at Florida State University. I'm a fourth year PhD, and my focus is in Latinx literature with a minor in media studies. Thanks. All right, and then Funke, will you go next? Hello, uh, my name is Olua Funke Ogunya. I'm from Nigeria. I'm a graduate student here at Florida State University. Um, I'm a 50 year PhD student, and my research area focuses on Africana women's writing and folklore. All right, thanks. And then last but not least will be Alex. Hi, I'm Alex, also a graduate student here at Florida State. And uh, I teach uh, right now a short story um, and 1101 or the introduction to writing course. And my focus is on uh, post-colonial world literature. And thanks for having me. We've said this before, but we're really excited to have you all on. We obviously all went to grad school together, but I think Paige and I can both say that we really admire the work you all do, and we really enjoy working with you. So we're excited to hear what you guys have to say today. Thank you. I totally second that. So we're going to start by asking the super difficult question (laughs) of what your most memorable eval was. For better or for worse. (laughs) Yeah. Margaret, do you want to take the plunge and share yours first? Sure. I have two fast ones that always stick with me. My favorite positive one that made me feel like, okay, I did did my job was her hard-ass grading made me a better writer, <laughs> which I was like, okay. The other one that just was kind of a shock was I had a student who wrote, I really liked the day we talked about serial killers, which was like, no, there was a school shooting that happened that day that we addressed. So a good reminder that things very easily get lost in translation sometimes in the classroom. Uh, Definitely. My most memorable eval is probably one that that said something along the lines of, I didn't realize how short she was until (laughs) she was walking out of class on the day that she gave evals. And I was like, cool. Right. Wow. Paige, were you aware of your height until that moment? No, no, I just started, I I read it and I was like, wow, I am so short. Wow. Yeah. Got it now. Yeah. So what about you, Janine? Anything stand out for you? Um, I mean, I have positives and negatives. I think, I mean, I I really have extremes on both sides. I had one uh, evaluation that basically said like, Miss Ortega should not be teaching a class that teaches critical thinking skills. Oh. Like, I think it was somewhere along the lines of it's like her worst class that she had taken. I feel and, like we've all been there, though. Yeah. Right? Where we've all gotten a feedback that's like, why is she even a teacher? So. I've had others where um, it's the exact opposite, and the student was essentially like, I, I, she's the only professor I've ever had who doesn't um, make teaching about her ego. So, two sides. Hmm. Yeah. And definitely, like, a reminder, like, I think sometimes students might make it personal, but even in the most objective class, like, one activity will work really well for one style of learning, and one won't, and no matter how great of a teacher we are, we can't ever reach everyone in the room. Right. And uh, let me quickly 
say something to that. Uh, one thing I've learned over the years I've been teaching here at FSU and after FSU is if you have a problematic student in your class, you know, for that semester, they won't they will give you a very bad review. That's one thing I've learned. So, for example, I have a student in, that will be my first time teaching in C2125, actually. Mm. And that's, uh, I think, um, spring of 2017. And um, they were like, I'm giving them too much to read and any other classes, you know, any other ENC2125 classes, I'm this and that. Seriously, when I see, you know, the bad reviews, I, based on my relationship with my student and class, I know where this is coming from. You know, I don't know if it happens to you guys. Like, I know I can say in my head that, oh, this is this person who wrote mm. this. Based on, probably we've had issues, you know, regards that subject that the student is trying to mention in their vow. So I'll like, okay, I'll go, you know, well, I, I'm going to work, like, I, I will work on it, but I'll, I'll feel like once you have, you know, a problem with a student, not really like a problem, but, you know, there's always, mm. no student, they're not all the same. There's always this case and class that we always want to, you know, give you troubles and all that. And then, so when you say the vow, you know that, okay, this is coming from this person. Yeah. So, so it, yeah, it's not a surprise in that situation, right? right. You, you kind of mm -hmm. saw it coming and, and some of it's stuff that you maybe can work on, but some of it's also a clashing of personalities. Like, Mar like Margaret said, right. like they take it personally mm -hmm. uh, and it's not mm -hmm. personal or something like that. Yeah, right. definitely. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I've had uh, the same extremes, I think that we've all been talking about, which is I've had, I've had one of the most positive ones I had was something like, you know, saying all kinds of good things about me and then saying, I seek to emulate him, you know, in, in all my future. Oh. I was like, yeah, like, you know, like channel my, my abilities or something, which is a great, I mean, it's a form of flattery, mm -hmm. I guess meditation but uh i've also had things just like and i get this one this is a more common one and uh and it, and it happens in, in maybe specific kinds of classes too um where i didn't learn anything you know mm -hmm. you know which i think is amazing <laughs> it's an amazing mm -hmm. statement yeah. like i didn't learn anything in his class and i just i and that one probably stings the most because it's like oh i don't care if you hated me yeah you didn't yeah. learn anything and like <laughs> yeah. the class was so yeah. useless that you anyway so that one like i've had some more specific ones things about you know sometimes personal they're funny like i get things about my mustache mm. all the time <laughs> but for whatever reason uh i like his sense of humor or things like that or he thought he was funny but he really wasn't <laughs> you know? that's uh, such yeah. like a specific dig i do think you're funny alex but it's like one of those things where it's like hey i just want to let you know you're wrong about yourself <laughs> right yeah you just get a variety of things i always like the ones that are more specific where the student targets mm -hmm. a specific aspect of the course and they talk about it. like i've got when i first started doing the evals when i was teaching at montana state i was a i started off like everyone did as a bad teacher and i slowly over time became a better teacher yeah. Uh, or at least yeah. a, a competent teacher. And uh, when I started off, I remember students unanimously complaining about the workshops and how I ran them. And I since have mm. gotten much less complaints about workshops and I've done a lot better with them. And that was something that the evals were able to target because it was consistent mm -hmm. and students were saying very specific things about right. how bad the workshops were. So that actually right. kind of leads to one of the big questions Paige and I had was like, how do you process your emails, both emotionally and statistically in terms of like, on one hand, it does sometimes feel like students 
I don't know if you guys have seen the John Mulaney bit where he talks about 13 year olds are the scariest people in the world because they intuitively know what you are most self-conscious about. So they're like, that's a high-waisted man with feminine hips. That's what I'm sensitive about. Like sometimes they just know they can target those sensitive spots for us. But as Paige was saying earlier, like it's not personal, hopefully. But then on the other hand, that statistical side, if we are getting the same thing over and over again, or when there's certain trends, like how do you, have you guys developed any mechanisms or tips for just how you process that first flood of evals at the end of the semester? I mean, uh, I usually go through them just (laughs) one by one at first. I think mainly I look, I'm looking at the numbers. Like Mm -hmm. that's the thing that sticks in my head. And I always hate that I do that, but it's always the thing. It's always the thing I have to tell them because they, they're sometimes the most meaningless. They're sometimes like, you know, like mastery of the subject matter. They're very vague. Mm -hmm. And I I always tell Mm -hmm. them, I always try to cut them off the past. Say the numbers are hard for me to process. You need to write something down so that I, <laughs> yeah. so I can understand what that is. And with the case with the workshops where it's like, where consistently people are writing in about the same thing, then I know something is a problem. The numbers almost never, and I try to get those out of my head. I try to go, okay, let's look at what people are actually writing and stop worrying so much about the numbers. But the numbers are so important because obviously it's how you like rank yourself. You're like, do I'm doing better or worse or... <laughs> You know, what's the department average, you know, and that all stuff is a little bit deceptive, I think, that you really need to start getting the the text of it. So that's just my opinion. First hurdle. Yeah, Funke, what were you going to say? So, yeah, so I think uh, when I get the eval, first thing I want to go is uh, to look at the comment section because over time I observed that just like Alex mentioned, you know, the graph, the statistics you have at the first page sometimes doesn't match the comments. Sometimes, you know, they give you an A that, oh, you know, they rate you with an A and um, what they said later on counters, you know, do you understand what I mean? So first, I just want to go to the comment section, you know, and look at what they have to say, even though I already, you know, prepared my mind, like, okay, whatever it is, I'm ready to, you know, to take it. The first time, like I said, the first time I thought I was really worried. I was like, oh my God, I'm a very bad person. I didn't do well. But over time, I spoke to a few friends and they told me like, you know what? See, I look at these things, but sometimes I don't let it get into me. All I do is take whatever I can take from it and, you know, become a better person. Actually, I took what I have to take from, you know, from the comments. And then the other ones, I just push it to the side. And, um, you know... For the good ones, I remember in the fall of 2018, I got a thank you, a professor letter. Mm. So yeah, from CARE, yeah, the students asked CARE to, you know, write this letter and they were like, okay, so I'm not a useless person, I'm a good <laughs> teacher. Yeah, because I felt, you know, not as if I don't get good ones, I seriously, I get good ones almost all the time. I get the positive feedback. But, you know, sometimes when you have probably out of 19 Ks and, you know, this person says something that can't say, oh, like, okay, I just put it to the side. You're not the only one. And probably because I have a personal issue with you. So I always go for the positive one. And sometimes when I look at, you know, the statistics of each student with the comments, sometimes it doesn't match. So I was just like, okay, I'm good. I feel bad initially when I first started, but once I started getting the good one, you know, thank you, professor, emails from students after class. You know, after taking my class, and some of them want to come back to take my class. Sometimes ask, some of them ask me what class I'm teaching next semester. And I see them register and enroll for my class. So I know, okay, I'm not a bad person, you know. I don't really, really 
depend on their um, on their avowal. And I remember that same class that one student said, um, I'm a very bad professor. She didn't let anything make them real. In, I made them read so much than any other class. That same class produces a student who, because of me, because of the class I taught her that semester, decided to take a major in English uh, mm. department. And after that, this lady, she's in the grad school now. Because oh, wow. of me. I, yeah, she asked me to write a recommendation letter for grad school, which I did. And she got into FSU College of Communication. So mm. I was like, okay, probably totally. <laughs> I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad teacher. So the eval is good, but over time, you know, it makes you just like Alex mentioned, it makes you a good, you know, a better teacher as it progresses. Probably you're a bad person or you feel you're bad. And over time, you know, you progress and yeah, well, I, that's I think. It. Yeah, I think you and Alex were both sort of touching on how the way we process evals changes mm. over time. Like, especially mm. like when you you first start getting evals and it's just that sort of formal um, evaluation of your performance and you, you've just started teaching and, and you're still figuring things out. Those can be really sort of demoralizing at that stage. Right. But uh, mm-hmm. the other thing that I really like that you bring up, Punky, is sort of the different forms of evaluation that we can get that aren't just that eval that comes out at, you know, post the end of the semester, but hearing what students have to say, being asked to write recommendation letters, right? right? Um, and so those more personal examples of evaluation, like direct and indirect, I think mm-hmm. sort of counteract some of those moments of, you know, less helpful evaluation. And I don't think we're saying that critical evaluation isn't helpful, right? We don't mm-hmm. want, because at the same time, overly just like, oh, she's great. This was such a fun class, mm-hmm. right? That's not super helpful either. Um, in terms of like, well, what worked for you? What didn't work for you? Right? Right. Yeah, Yeah, there's a difference between a negative eval and a bad eval. That those negative evals, like, they might not have liked the class, they might not have liked the teaching style, they may have that constructive criticism versus the bad Mm -hmm. eval with just you guys talked to, were referenced it before, things that are just more vague, or Mm -hmm. that focus on you as a person or things that you can't really change or just seem to be personal preference rather than actual teaching methods and approaches that can benefit. And a lot of that comes from a really deceptive kind of, I mean, just a little little, like aside, the eval Mm -hmm. is something that comes out of the 1960s in the university student groups pushing back against the administration saying, no, we need to have some kind of input you know, so that, or some kind of way to, to talk back to the professor in an anonymous way, and, or to say something to provide critique to the professor in an anonymous way. And, mm-hmm. and, and so that came out of that kind of period of thinking. But what's later happened, I feel, is, and the, the deceptive part of the eval, I think Funky and I were kind of hitting on it, is just that there's also like this ranking. There's also like this administrative kind of punch in these, you know, and sometimes you get like somebody who ranks you really low and the overall rating is really high and that doesn't make any sense. Right. And so it's sort of like, right. The, the ranking thing is, is deceptive because it, it feels more for the administration. It feels more not for us. And the part that's for us, I always have to tell students, and it's, it's become harder with COVID-19 because now all the evals kind of just pop up at the end at random mm-hmm. times. And I can't sort of head it off at the past and say, listen, uh, you got you to gotta sit down and write. You got to sit down. Uh, I, know, I know I've been telling you to write the whole year. And you hate <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but you got to sit down and write 
for me, some anonymous feedback. And that's the most important. And I, was, I always tell them, I say, the ranking thing, uh, wonderful. You know, you obviously do that and pay attention to it. But the part that's so important to me is, mm -hmm. the, is the writing in. If you write something in and take your time and, and get everyone in the class to kind of do it and think that it's like, you know, what you're supposed to be doing during this five to 10 minutes, right. then they'll actually do that. They'll actually put down a few sentences and they'll actually give you something to, to go with. And I've done it too, where I've done it in class like, you know, maybe the week, the week before the eval, I've done like, okay, just, I don't care. I'm not going to, I'm not going to judge you. Just tell me what, or, or, you know, or give you a bad grade. Just tell me what you think. Just tell me what you think right now and what parts of the class worked for you and what didn't. And I've done that too. And that's, that's sometimes effective, but it's also nice to have the anonymous, you know, write in yeah. that they're really, I think that some of them can say things that maybe that they wouldn't. And that part, I think maybe the administration doesn't like as much. And I do because it's, it's because it's not measurable. It's not instrumentalized. There's, it's just a way for me to understand how to teach better. Whereas the, the ranking thing, I've, I frankly don't like that because then we all go around going, well, I got a four. Did you get a 4.5? Or, you know, and, and, that, and that sort right. of is a little bit deceptive because it's not really a way, that's not really a good way to evaluate uh, someone. Yeah, I think that's a great point that like those numbers are, you know, really, I don't know, kind of like, customer service evals, right? Um, and they don't seem to be as productive as the the backside where they can comment and actually give us some examples. Microsoft Word is telling you that you have made a grammatical error but not explaining to you what it is or how to fix it, where like the numbers either are like good, bad, but why? <laughs> that's what that's what's missing, it seems. Yeah. The fact that they're on the on the front side is kind of annoying too to me. I would rather prefer it was the other way around. Yeah, it, I told you that sounded like the student ranks you and then they have to write it in. I, I don't, I'd rather have it just, yeah. Yeah, Janine, do you want to chime in here and tell us some well, of your Sure, um, I think it's really interesting to kind of hear like Alex was saying, like the, the, the kind of moment when the student evaluation was kind of initially being deployed as a way to kind of give students a voice, but I, I think the other side of it too is, it, and I think Margaret, you've talked about this too before, but it's like students' perception of, of who you are as a teacher and what is the purpose of the evaluation and it being mainly like a, a pedagogical tool. Because I mean, before we started recording, we had this conversation about the kind of pedagogy training that we have as graduate students and kind of cutting your teeth on basically making mistakes. And that, I think it's a big difference between higher education and like K through 12 training of teachers where it's like, you really are going trial by fire. You know, you are getting a master's degree or you're getting a doctorate and you are also teaching. So this evaluation is a means by what you say, like Alex is saying, what projects, assignments, fostering of classroom culture worked, was helpful or was not. And I think Funke, you were touching on this too, where, and, and Alex, you too, where you're, you walk into the room and it's kind of like, the students want to be able to relate to you, want to be able to have something that they're able to latch onto. And it's like, oh, you know, he has a mustache. Or mm -hmm. in the case of Funke, you know, here is an African-American woman, you know, and she can inspire other folks to do so. And, you know, when I come into a classroom, you know, I can't hide what it is that I, I need to tell my students. And sometimes I might say, yeah. hi, you know, I'm, I'm a neurodiverse teacher. Um, yeah. I, I need to tell you guys that, uh, sometimes I'm an acquired taste, but I do know that some students have, you know, taken me again because they know that they can come to me and ask me a question, uh, mm -hmm. that might be considered, you know, why are you asking this? This is a university. Right. You should know the answer. Which you bring up a good yeah. point, Janine, that by nature, it's not just of we're teaching at a college level, we're teaching at the college level 
in a field that students already associate with like that you're supposed to teach me how to feel you're supposed to teach me what it means to like be a human you're supposed to teach me how to love like these things where it's like that's not actually what an English professor, literature professor, writing professor is supposed to do. And so there are sometimes expectations that there's supposed to be much more like emotional involvement or sometimes that I think sometimes, at least for me, I see reflected in the feedback of talking about like me fulfilling their emotional needs rather than their focusing on their intellectual needs, where I think sometimes it's easy for literature teachers, writing teachers to get kind of positioned as the parent of home, away from home. Um, and if I may, I, I think that just carries over from kind of the expectation of kind of like, what is the transition from high school to university? Yeah. And it, and it might be the case where it's like, oh, you know, the literature class, this isn't the class where I really have to, you know, it's not organic chemistry. It's not algebra. <laughs> um, you know, they want their instructor to be legible. It's like, oh, you know, <laughs> And if they see someone who's younger or they see someone who's, you know, technically also dealing with this label of being a graduate student, it's kind of like, how serious do I have to take this class? Mm-hmm. Right. How, how yeah. much do I have to, to make myself uncomfortable? And we haven't really right. touched on that. The fact that most of us are coming at evals as graduate students. And so that idea of being taken less seriously because of age, gender, position in the institution, race, right? Um, all of these things factor into what that end product looks like when your students right. evaluate you. Do you guys see, it was a few years ago, the eggplant published an article that was making fun of the English department grad students' teachers? Where it was like, be nice to your graduate uh, student teacher because they came here to study Hemingway and instead they've learned that they'll be poor the rest of their lives. Where it was like, oh my God, (laughs) that's what I'm sensitive about. (laughs) But there are those like preconceived notions about what's supposed to happen in our classrooms and what are, what roles we're supposed to play before we even enter the room or tell them what our course objectives are. Mm And, and that's the biggest pressure, I think. You have to make yourself legible. Like, however yeah. it is that you, you know, are going to start your class, you have to make yourself kind of as binary as possible so they can be like, okay, this is the type of teacher this person is. This is the expectation. Yeah. This is how I get an A. Because yeah. it's kind of like, this is the experience they're looking for. Not all of them, but obviously it's kind of a pressure that uh, I think we were talking about this before, where it's kind of customer servicey in terms of, yeah. you know, Where's the money? So I have, um, I think uh, one of the um, graduate students who graduated from our department from, uh, you know, other, one of the African countries. And um, at one point when this guy was teaching, some of the students had to bring in their friends to class, come and look at how the professor talks. Mm. And yeah, I and mean, that's also reflected in, you know, the evaluation of that semester. So I was like, okay, so that really gave me like a heads up. The first day of my classes, I tell them, hey, you know what? I'm African. I'm from Nigeria. I have accent, okay? And we are colonized by the British, so I cannot talk like Americans. Mm -hmm. So this is the way I talk. So there are some things I pronounce that might sound different in your ears. That is the way the British taught us to pronounce it. So if you think you want me to, you know, to repeat myself, 
over and over again, I'm willing to do so. So I always, not because I'm afraid, but I, because I know that these kids, whatever impression they have about you from the beginning of the semester will determine whether if you're the best professor, if you're good, if you're bad, it will also reflect, if they don't like you, it will reflect, you know, in the evals. Some of them I go to rate my professor online and say all sorts of things there. So yeah, they do, do, they do so. So I made that clear because I was surprised when um, Paige said somebody wrote an eval that I don't know you are this short, you know, and all that. So I always let them see, hey, this is who I am. So see me now, you know, so that, you know, this is the way you see me is different from what I have to, you know, what I have to give you. So there are two different things. So I don't see reason why the way I am physical, physically, I don't know how that should reflect what I have to give you. But for some kids, it's the same because they already have that in their mind. And all they see is this person from Nigeria, what does she have to give me? What does she have to say? So it goes a long way. And I have similar experience in my summer class. I have this guy, um, the guy I taught the um, short story class in the summer. Summer B, this guy is from the English department. And the first reading I make them read, this guy said, oh, I did not get anything from the reading. But I'm so glad because other kids in the classroom were like, see, that is the reason why we are taking this class because you have to see beyond just the, the surface, you know, meaning of surface level. We have to look deep. And that is why we are taking this class. So I'm glad that somebody was able to do so. Believe me, that thing that that guy said in that class, reflected in the eval, it was, she was like, oh, all the texts, all the short stories, I don't know why we have to buy the book, blah, 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 because we can get them online and even the readings, you know, they are bad, they are this and that. So, so yeah, so I was like, okay. And, and so some of that is like speaking to the ways that we're evaluated for things that are completely out of our control. Mm -hmm. uh, even the textbook, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we have no control over the textbook. And so you have to buy it because someone told me that you yeah. have to buy it. Like have I to have to use it. So you have to use it. And so that can be a really annoying thing. And, and that's on a small level in comparison to the points you were making about having mm. to make space for your identity at the beginning so that it doesn't reflect poorly in the evals. Yeah. And this also just kind of brings us back to some of those points that Alex was making earlier about the institution and how institution uses these evals as a marker and mm -hmm. they're based on things that are oftentimes unfair and yeah so Janine I think that you were gonna add something too. I just wanted to say um Fuke, thanks so much for sharing that experience and those reactions that you have because I, I just think it's it, the classroom is such an interesting um, because it's so reflective in terms of the kind of energies you're giving and the kind of energies you get back and I think in my experience um I'm a Latinx person I I, I'm, I come from Latin culture um so it's very much so that I might see my evals passionate a lot it mm. pops up so it's just kind of like well I this is how I speak and this is kind of the way that my teaching style has developed but I I, I also wanted to bring up just because me and Alex are having a secret conversation uh, <laughs> about right my professor and I think that that is a great uh, kind of segue to be like there is the official document that the university monitors in terms of like Alex was saying the numbers and then there is this totally other kind of resource that students do go to and now as instructors and professors you can go to and, and even kind of manipulate or make your presence known where there's what they say because the university is watching and then there's what they say when they're on the internet and they're 
having access to this kind of anonymity. Which I think something that Rate My Professor has also highlighted is that a lot of the, okay, we talked about the difference between a negative eval and a bad eval, that a good, in quotation mark, eval is often because it's the class is like, oh, this is an easy A. You don't have to do any work. You don't have to show up. It's a good class. It's a good mm -hmm. professor. That can be also something to kind of figure out the balance of what, what are we getting evaluated on? Right. So like there's things like the, what's out of our control, like the textbook assignments, like that you have to do you, who you are as a person, but then also how much work right. people want to do. Or like with Ray, my professor that had the chili pepper for mm. years, like, right. They yeah, only just got rid yeah. of that recently. And the funniest thing is most kids, who really enjoyed your class will not go on rate by professor. It's only the mm -hmm. bad ones that go there. That yeah. was actually something. So I used to work in um, administration at another university and that was something they discussed was that for tenure and promotion, they really didn't take the student evals into deep consideration because only 30% of the students were completing them. And so they, they said you, you had, right. It was only ref uh, reflective of the extreme students who hated the class and the professor and students who loved the class and professor and the other 70% who were ambivalent weren't sharing their experiences. So they felt it was unfair to evaluate the professors from the administrator side using it. Right. Which I now tell my students that I'm like, if you actually want your voice heard, you have to use your voice. Yeah, the thing about Rate My Professor too is it is that side of it that they're trying to uh, like suss out who's a good, who's going to be easy or who's mm -hmm. going to be right. Like so, there's that sort of that side of it, which is like Rate My Professor is almost like in a in a different category. We're, we're trying to like that's the problem. I went ahead off at the past with the students to be like, it's not Rate My Professor because Rate My Professor is trying is doing something totally different, and I don't really agree with it. It's doing something that's trying to get you to. You know, it's 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 like it's a saleable thing. It's like you know, is yeah. this the professor that you want? And I and I think that that's sort of toxic. And 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 even at when the evals in the administration, you know, I also think too that that there's another problem of they want to reduce you. I mean, I mean, sound like uh, you know, like 1984, but they want to reduce you to a number basically, and they want to and they want to find a way to re to reduce you to a number, and that and that that's not as important. And I feel like in both ways, there's that kind of we're, we're trapped between sort of two spaces where basically in each case we're being reduced to a number, a number by the students and a number by the administration. And I'm, right. I, I don't like either of those really. I wish the administration, <laughs> I wish the administration would take more time to kind of figure out the kind of people that, that um, rather than using that number, right. Take the time to figure out the kind of people that are teaching and, 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 and how the students are responding like as an, on a more, you know, kind of critical or qualitative level rather than quantitative. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's just hard because the administration wants a fast, you know, give me a number right now uh, and, and then I can compare, you know, Professor 4.5 and Professor 4.6 kind of. Right. And it's sort of, and I, I don't know, I, f I feel like that's sort of, and it's also, it also promotes a bad mentality of, you know, then people, and this gets into the moral thing, which was on the agenda, uh, <laughs> then people going, oh, I'm going to be really easy on the students or I'm going to give them lots of candy, which I know some people do that, <laughs> whatever, right? Like, so it's, then it's like you're buying them out a little bit. And, and I think that that's, um, I, I, I sort of discourage that. I, 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 or at least I try to discourage. I try to say, you know, listen, uh, just rate me on what you felt the whole class was. Not anything mm -hmm. that happened today, not because, uh, 
you know, <laughs> somebody brought you donuts, but rate the whole class uh, as you feel um, for, for future students for, and for, for, the, for my future, for me teaching in the future. So I, I feel that that's, that's, that's the strongest part of the eval, but then there's this weak side and that's the mentality of the rating and the rate my professor and all that, which is like, like you guys said too, it also evaluates on things that you can't even help ways you may talk, you know, yeah. ways that you have of being in the world that, that students are just like, well, I can just throw a number on that, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's really terrible. But yeah, it, that mentality is, is sort of one of the, the big uh, hurdles of the eval is to try to get students somehow. I know it's mm-hmm. even harder with COVID-19 with, you know, trying to explain to them what this is for and, and what this is not for. I don't know. That's my opinion. Anyways. Yeah. And I think that is, uh, makes me think a lot about one of our last questions for, mm-hmm. for this part was that, you know, what kind of advice have you been given like in the past about how to process evals, use them and make them more productive? And then what kind of advice could you offer? And I think, Alex, that you're offering some really sort of pertinent advice about how evals are broken down into quantitative numbers, data that isn't always reflective of mm-hmm. who we are as teachers and arguably is never reflective of who we are as teachers. And then some qualitative stuff that we don't that we would like more of. I just know because I've gotten, I've gotten at least in the past, I've gotten low numbers, especially early on. And I just want to say to anyone out there who's just like starting <laughs> to teach, don't worry about it. But getting like a low number, like, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's sort of silly. Like it's, um, I mean, obviously, um, um, you know, if it's, it's really low, I mean, it's a sign of something, but if it, if it's lower than you expected, like, just try to try to just look at the actual feedback that you're being giving rather than worrying about the numbers so much or whether you're up with the department average. Cause that, that I felt like may just came with time. Like slowly you see, as you get better, your evals will slowly rise or, or maybe right. one year they go down a little bit, but it's not really something to worry about. I feel like people worry about it too much. So. Yeah. No, Alex, that's a really good point. I remember being told early on, like your first five years of teaching, you're not a great teacher. Like you get that experience and you become a great teacher, but no one starts out great. And our students don't know where we are in our teaching journey. So that's sometimes early on with some of my feedback was she, you could tell she's nervous, which was like, because I am, I'm very nervous. But that, it, like you said, eventually you keep progressing, it gets better. But mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear, yeah, the advice you all have been given in the past about evals, like Paige said, good advice, bad advice, and what advice you hold on to. I think I had some great advice from a mentor when I was teaching in a, a two-year institution. A shout out to, to Claire Yates. She's a, mm-hmm. a great person. But she essentially explained that sometimes you can give an evaluation in the middle of the semester if you're not satisfied with kind of the classroom environment, you can make your own survey and you can say, hi, you know, let's take the temperature and see how you guys are feeling about these assignments or what's, you know, throwing you for a loop. And I was able to think about an evaluation as an official means of communication. You know, here here is an olive branch. Let us try and understand each other because definitely in the case of pedagogy, it's always, I feel like, a negotiation. Yeah, I've done that some time ago, trying to, you know, make the student evaluate the class before the university evaluation. And it comes out like 
very few of them say negative things, uh, negative in the sense that probably class time, we can make the class shorter, we can do these, the readings and all that. And uh, that is good, right? You know, but I really, really want them to tell me how the teaching, you know, like that is, those people did that's good, but some of them will come with sweet things. We like you, we like the class, I like the teaching probably because of, you know, because, you know, they have to, they have to show their face, probably they are scared, they don't want to fail the class and right. all that. So yeah, so that is good, but I don't know if that might actually, so the other semester I made them do the end of uh, semester reflection, I make it anonymous. I don't want to see, just write a sheet of paper and, you know, give it to me and some of them were able to see something that I really wanted. But when I ask them to talk or show, write their name on it, they tell me sweet things. Right. So, yeah. So it's good if you want to have like a um, anonymous evaluation for your class, they don't have to write their name or anything. That is very good. And even if you get the negative ones, seriously, you're going to feel bad at one point. Like me, I usually, at first I was like, okay, does that mean you didn't get anything from my class? Does that mean the old system weeks? It's just for me to reflect on my teaching, for me to reflect on what I've done over the period of time that we met in the semester. So what I'm saying this is negative, ref negative uh, evaluations are not, you know, they're not bad as well. It's just for us to be able to make good use of whatever we can pick from it that will make us a better person in our teaching. Well, I feel like, I don't, I've learned so much just from this conversation so far, things that I want to incorporate or things that have made me rethink about evals. Uh, like uh, Alex, I keep going back to how they emerged. So thank you for sharing that. But I'm excited to continue this conversation in our next episode where we talk about how we use evals to plan for the future. We've been talking about it somewhat already, but I'm excited to hear what you guys have when we dive deep. Then I guess that we will hear from Alex, Funke, and Janine in our next episode. And until then, we'll sort of sign off here. Yeah. No dream courses for today. We're saving them and going to make them extra <laughs> good. Okay, perfect. <laughs>